Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. I have started a series, as many of you know, this summer, first two weeks. It's called My Favorite Passages. I've looked back on my course. I told you that my first message was to a little handful of uh, people at a little church out in the country 53 years ago. It was brutal, and I thank God that they were willing to sit through it. But over the course of these years, I have favorite Bible passages and last The last two weeks, we went to James 1. Now today, I want us to go to Joshua 1 as we find out what the Lord would say to us about leadership. Would you look at the Holy Scriptures with me? Chapter 1 of Joshua, we'll read down through the first few verses. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness And this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. And no man, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. What a wonderful promise. We're talking today about the making of a leader. Our nation, our state, our city, our churches, our businesses are crying out because of a vacuum of leadership. We are desperately reaping the consequences of a lack of leadership in every area of our culture. And I believe that in the Word of God there are eternal principles that would form and fashion a young young woman, a young man, who wanted to take on a mantle of leadership given by the Lord. And I want us to look at this man, Joshua, today. And I don't want us to lose there in verse 1 that after Moses died, and remember that Moses was looked as next to God. I mean, Old and New Testament. And still this day, especially in Judaism, Moses is a superhero. But like all human heroes, 
He passed on. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. I want you to think about that for a minute. <clears throat> Moses' assistant. Do you understand that it didn't happen one day that all of a sudden God just said, oh, okay, I need a new leader of all of my people. So, uh, let me see. I'm going to interrupt the day of a man named Joshua. Do you know that a lot of us today don't understand <coughs> that when God selects a leader, there is preparation that goes before that. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. I want you to turn with me to these passages and let's get a glimpse of Joshua's preparation for becoming the leader of God's covenant people. Let's go to Numbers chapter 14. In other words, turn back to the left. Two books. To the book of Numbers. In chapter 14, God's people were at a crisis time. The Lord had told Moses to send out 12 spies into the land of Canaan, the promised land, that land that he had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that would be an eternal possession. Twelve spies went out to see what the land was like, and they came back, and ten of them said, we can't do this. There are too many giants in the land, too many obstacles. It's not going to happen. But verse 6 tells us something about Joshua. Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who spied out the land, tore their clothes. That is a, a symbol of public agony. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. And if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Notice the other ten said, they are giants, they're too big, we've got to turn around. Joshua and Caleb said, they're toast. The Lord is with us, do not fear them. Verse 10, and all the congregation said, to stone them with stones. How would you like to go to a family meeting and tell everybody we ought to obey God and go forward and everybody said, well, let's just go outside and get us a pile of rocks and do him in. Not Joshua's favorite message, I wouldn't think. But notice what God did. It's lost in this passage sometimes. Verse 10, the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children. You know what that meant? <clears throat> that God came into that place where Moses and the leaders were to meet with him by his incredible, the glory of his presence, an incredible blinding light. And when all the people saw that, they dropped the stones. Here's what I'm here to tell you. Somewhere, 
there are leaders who will stand up against the majority. And when they obey God, the glory of the Lord is going to back them up and preserve them somewhere. And they will prevail against all odds somewhere. God has not stopped choosing leaders. But I want you to know that it didn't go so well with Joshua and Caleb at that point because God allowed the majority to have their way and God allowed this group of unbelievers to wander around in the desert for 40 years. What he basically said was, all right, have it your way. Can I tell you something? The worst thing that can happen to a family, the worst thing that can happen to a church, the worst thing that can happen to a nation is for God to say, all right, y'all have at it. If this is the way you're going to do, go for it. May God have mercy on us. I said, may God have mercy on us. For 40 years they wandered around in the desert and Joshua and Caleb, although they were believers, they had to watch friends and family die on a daily basis. They had to eat manna instead of good food for 40 years. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Part of the development of leaders is suffering. Usually it is in the form of rejection. Usually it's in the form of those who love you or closest to you who don't quite understand why it is that you believe and do the things you believe and do. So many times it is that ostracized, what do you call it? Being ostracized from those you love and want to walk with you. And sometimes you have to suffer and wait for God to bring those you love to the place where they will listen. Are you parents listening to me? Sometimes to be the leader of your family, it's going to require for you to wait on God to help your children to understand what your motives are in the decisions you're making, for God to help them to really understand what He's about. And sometimes they're not going to care that much about your opinion or for even being around you sometimes. Sometimes the preparation of your leadership comes through suffering, having to wait on God to do what you can't do. Sometimes that's with people in your own family. Sometimes it's with people that you're associated with in business. A leader is willing to stand on the truth and speak up and speak out even if it causes him or her to suffer. I want to tell all of you today who are in places of rejection and isolation, go ahead and speak up and speak out and be willing to suffer rejection and isolation because you need to know that your God will never forsake nor leave you. And I want you to see something else. 
there was an incredible reward to Joshua and Caleb. Let me show you this. Look a little later in your chapter there. Chapter 14 is where we are. The Lord's speaking to Moses. And he said, these people are going to wander around the carcasses. Their bodies are going to fall in the wilderness because they've complained against me. They refuse to believe and go forward. And then he says in verse 30, except for Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun, they shall by no means enter into the land which I swore, the land of promise, the land, the promised land, the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I want you to see verse 38. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh remained alive and got rewarded. They got to see and dwell in and live a long and prosperous life in the land of Canaan. There is a reward for believing, for standing up and speaking up and being willing to suffer. There is a reward. So Joshua was being prepared. One of the ways he was being prepared was through standing against the majority. I want you to look at verse at chapter 27 of Numbers. Just turn to the right to chapter 27. I want you to see something else. The making of a leader. Joshua was willing to walk not only as an assistant to serve. How many of you know service is the greatest position you can get? Jesus said, the greatest among you shall be your servant. I don't care much for those who are always wanting attention in the kingdom work, but I love to be around those who are serving. That gets my attention. Chapter 27, I want you to notice verse 18. The Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you. A man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Set him before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation, and inaugurate him. That means commission him, challenge him in their sight. And you shall give some of your authority to him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. Look at verse 22. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation. And watch verse 23. We just did this. He laid hands on him. Moses did. And he commissioned him, inaugurated him, just as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. Moses said, to Joshua, I am transferring some of what is in me, some of what God Almighty has deposited in me, and I am laying my hands on, commissioning you. I am depositing that spiritual transaction through a natural action, and I'm sending a message to the congregation. I hereby believe in, commission, and set this man apart. For you to recognize as a leader in this body.
May God have mercy on all of us older men if in your family, in this church, in your business, you are not depositing in and preparing younger men and women to take places of leadership. There's going, you're not going to live forever and neither am I. There's going to be a transfer. And when the, at the right time, those who are spiritual, it is a godly spiritual principle. Those who are spiritual leaders are to designate and commission and lay hands on those who are stepping into places of leadership who are chronologically younger but yet mature. Everybody in spiritual atmosphere, in spiritual organizations, everybody should step up and take ownership. But not everybody should take governance. That's for called people who will have to answer before the Lord. You're not going to have to answer before the Lord to the same extent as I am about what goes on in here. And that is a sobering thing to me. But notice Joshua stayed under the covering, the spiritual guidance of his spiritual leader. Do you know that today the term spiritual covering is actually crucified. There are people writing books about how you don't need spiritual covering. Jesus is all you need. Well, why Old and New Testament? Does God say Old and New Testament that there ought to be those designated over you in the Lord? That is looking out for your well-being. Who are interceding for you, who are encouraging you, who are teaching you the Word of God, who are encouraging you when you're going through hard times. If you don't have a spiritual covering, you need to ask the Lord, where is that spiritual covering? Where is it that you have designated somebody in a place of maturity and leadership that I can receive from? Understand this, that in the realm of the Spirit, things are transferred. And Joshua, one reason why he was equipped to be a leader, one reason why God chose him is he had the desire and the discipline to stay under and serve his covering. I'm asking many of you today, not only about your spiritual covering, and you need to invest in that, you need to pray, you need to mutually invest in your spiritually covering. It doesn't just work one way, but I'm going to ask you this, who are you being prompted by the Lord to be a spiritual mentor or a covering for? 
Who is it that looks to you for spiritual leadership? Listen, God never chooses any perfect vessels. That doesn't happen. And if somebody thinks or says they're perfect, you do what you want to. But if I'm you, I'd get away from them as fast as I could. It is not only that we are to be under spiritual covering. We are to, at some point, become that for others. Now look at Deuteronomy chapter 34. And I won't, that's the last chapter before Joshua 1. In verse 9, the word says, Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. Oh my goodness. I got to wait till you see this. You got to see this with your own eyes. Joshua 34, verse 9. I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 34, 9. Moses had, had died. Now Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. For, because Moses had laid his hands on him. Wow. The covering, the transfer. Did Moses make mistakes? Big ones. Big ones. But God had chosen him. He was his servant. The Bible says there was not a more humble man in all the earth than Moses. Mistakes notwithstanding. Ask the Lord to show you who it is that he would have to, for you to invest in and who it is that he would have you to become a spiritual leader too. So back to our Joshua 1 passage, the making of a leader. Moses was an assistant. I, I want to say the principle again. God doesn't choose leaders just on the spur of the moment. There is preparation going on many times for years in the background. I want you to notice verse 2. God said, Moses, my servant is dead. Don't you think, as a fact, Joshua could have figured that out? I mean, they had been in mourning for months, the whole nation. Why would God say something so obvious? You know what God was saying to Joshua? He's not your source of provision or security anymore. If you've got anything hidden down deep on the inside of you, what I'm about to assign you to do is going to strip all of your dependence on Him away. In every one of us, there comes a time when you can't lean on those who have coached you and encouraged you and prayed for you. At some point, you're going to have to step up and take the leadership that God is causing you to do. And God is going to withdraw those that have always enabled you and picked you up. And you're going to have to get out there and get ready for the assignment he is putting on you. 
And usually that assignment will be so big and God will remove your security blanket, all that encouragement, all that money, all those opportunities, all those contacts. At some point, you and God have got to figure it out. Some point. And God was saying to Joshua, all right, Moses is no longer in the picture. This is about me and you. There is nobody who is indispensable to God's plan. Nobody. My servant is dead. Now therefore, notice what he said. Now therefore, arise, get up. How many of you are still grieving the absence or the departure of a parent, a mentor, a life coach, a spiritual champion? How many of you are still grieving what used to be? Whether it was in your business, in your family, how many of you are still grieving that? God is saying to you, get up, arise, I've got a new assignment for you. And it is not where somebody else is going to take care of you. Do you understand, ladies and gentlemen, that we live in the most entitled culture that our nation arguably has ever known? Entitlement. It's everywhere. Everywhere. I see it in the church. I see it in, in culture. I, it's in government. It's everywhere. God is not into entitlement. He has an assignment for you. Arise. Go over this Jordan. Do you know what God's saying to Joshua? Isn't that just like the Lord? God took the man right when the, the people were in a perilous state. What do you mean by that? They had to try to get three million people across the Jordan River that had, of course it was in the season where it had swollen its banks, of course. God normally gives you an assignment when there is absolutely no way for you to get it done apart from His intervention. Go over this. The first thing facing Joshua when he was commissioned as the leader was trying to get three million people across an impossible river. What impossibilities are you facing today? What, what season of life is God calling you to? What, what is it? I guarantee you when the Lord gives you a big assignment, there's going to be a Jordan River there. It might be financial, it might be physical, it might be relational, it might be, whatever it is, there's always going to be an obstacle. Part of the development of a leader is the placing of an obstacle in their life that only God can get them through. 
But I want you to notice this wonderful promise. What a wonderful promise. I am giving this land to them, the children of Israel. You get through this Jordan, and I want you to know that what I promised for all these years is yours. In fact, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Can I ask you something? Every place, would that mean if you have to step in the river, would that be in every place? If you have to get out there and not know what the next step is, but you know you got to take one, would that be included in every place? Some of you are overwhelmed with circumstances and situations right now. God's promise to you has not changed. His word is eternal. Every place that you tread upon, I have given to you. I will give you authority over every step that you have to take in my assignment. Every one of them. Notice what he said. Notice what he said. I want you to look down at verse 5 again. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. To the same extent I was with Moses. Oh my goodness. You're talking about the same Moses that got the Ten Commandments written on stone? You're talking about the same Moses that the glory of the Lord would show up like a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud? You're talking about the same Moses who would pray and manna would be out there every morning? Yeah, I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Whatever the Lord has assigned you to do, there is His promise that He will never leave you nor forsake you. And the same God who led Moses lives on the inside of you as a New Testament believer. He's your defender. You have an advocate with the Father. He's a super lawyer. There's none better than him. He's a provider. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He is a mighty warrior. The Lord will go before you and fight for you. Whatever the need is, he is the supply. Would to God that there would raise that there would be raised up from this congregation mighty leaders. Mighty leaders. People who are willing to prepare, people who are willing to submit to spiritual maturity and guidance and authority, people who are willing to serve people who are willing to stand up in their realm of responsibility even if they have to suffer for it initially, people who are willing to believe God and take the, right, the next right step regardless of the Jordan River before them, would to God that there would be mighty leaders in this faith family. And I believe beyond any shadow of a doubt that the Holy Spirit is calling every one of us to be willing to step up, to be willing to stand out. These are critical times. There is a darkness in this culture and there's gloom and doom being spoken everywhere. And it very well could be 
that there is a breach. It very well could be that the hedge of protection is being removed. It could be. But I know this. That nothing takes our Father by surprise. And I know that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I know that if He wouldn't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, if He could have found ten righteous, He is not going to destroy a nation who has vast millions who will stand and believe and cry out to Him and repent and turn from our wicked ways. So I'm optimistic today. I'm optimistic not by what I see. I'm optimistic by what I see in the Word of God and the promises in the heart of God. And I'm optimistic when I see you because I know you're going to answer the bell. And step up and be leaders in the kingdom of God. In your realm. In your realm. Not somebody else's. In your realm. Let's all stand. I want to thank you today for being here with us. What a special time. We don't meet on the last Sunday of the month. I know many of you go to other places to worship. That's wonderful. Do whatever the Lord leads you to do. But I want to thank God for those of you who are calling this your faith family, this your, your spiritual home, your church. It's an honor to be your pastor. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.